station, but we're here for a real education. Welcome to A Real Education. I am your host, Tim Wick, joined, as always, by my co-host, Melissa Kersher. Hello. And our young protege who knows nothing about movies, Jenny Young. <laughs> Hi there. <laughs> and uh, today, we have a unique experience thus far in our in our uh, experience in that the only person who has seen this movie is Melissa. I actually have not seen the movie we're about to watch. Woo-hoo. I know quite a bit about it, but I have not seen this movie. But we still have to follow protocol. <laughs> we have to tell you what the movie is, and then Jenna has to tell you what she knows about the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie is Playtime. <clears throat> and uh, Jenna, what do you know about Playtime? Absolutely nothing. Been, I know that hit- the name of the movie is, in fact, Playtime. Wow. That's what I know. Impressive. That's it. That's I don't all you know, know genre or anything. I think, I suspect it's um, like. After the 1950s, which I know is a very okay. large amount of, but that yeah, gives like you, not, yeah, a good seven, almost 70 years, 60 years, mm-hmm. you yeah. know. But but I don't think it's I, I I think in fact I'd be willing to say it's probably even 70s or later. Like I I have that kind of a feeling, but I don't know. Okay. But that's not based on any reading on your part. No, that's no. that's that's gut feeling. That's that's what I may have gleaned from societal like. <laughs> Ideas of, of the movie permeating in and er and that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, and I know of this movie. I know of this movie quite well, but I, as I said, I've never seen it. Uh, in part because uh, this is a what they would call uh, in the Academy Awards a foreign language film, although my understanding is that's a loose definition of the term. But however, yes, uh, it, it, it is the the first quote-unquote foreign language film that we've done on Real Education. It is. It is. We have not done the... And I, I, Even though it is kind of a misnomer for this particular movie. Yeah. I enjoy foreign language films, but I do not watch them as often as I might like because often I uh, multitask while I'm watching movies. <laughs> and it's very difficult to multitask whilst watching a foreign language film unless you already understand the language. Um, well, sure. there, there's also the... I, I will start into a little bit of an a little bit of an introduction. It won't necessarily be spoiler territory for anything you're going to see. But well, you're not going to spoil it for me. I know a lot about the movie. Right. Um, this is also a movie that's going to be hard to watch if you're multitasking because it is almost entirely visual. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason that it's kind of a misnomer that it's a foreign language film is that there's almost no dialogue right. whatsoever. Ah. And what there is is kind of inconsequential. It is... I don't know how much I uh, should introduce this film. I could give a little bit of history about it just kind of as a disclaimer before starting in. Uh, what? Well, I, I, you know, I... I, I think that... I, the director, yeah. Tati, right? Yes. Am I pronouncing his name Jacques right? Jacques Tati. Yeah. Uh, the director, Jacques Tati, is uh, often listed as one of the great directors of history, uh, even though he only made seven movies. Four movies are a series and featuring a character named Monsieur Hulot, and this is one of those four movies. Okay. Uh, the Hulot movies, uh, like I said, there are four of them. There's, uh, the first one is Monsieur Hulot's Holiday, uh, then there's Mon Uncle, there's Playtime, and Traffic. So Playtime is actually the third of four movies, but it's not your standard sequel, okay. because there's not 
the thing that's shared between the movies is a character, not necessarily a plot. And you'll sure. kind of see more what we're talking about when we get into it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and Playtime actually features very little of the character. It's just kind of this connecting thread. Yeah. The, so the foreign aspect of this is German, right? It's, <laughs> it's, it is French. It is a French movie. <laughs> yeah. The, um, if, if it were German, it'd be Spielzeit or something like that. <laughs> uh, and it is interesting that we're watching, we're not starting with uh, the first Hulot film. Yes. Um, although and, I don't, don't they, you, they don't really follow chronologically in, in, a, in a traditional sense. No, they don't. Um, they're, they're more thematic. You can watch them in any order. I, I watched them all out of order when I first saw them, and I don't think I was any lesser for it. Yeah, there was uh, one quote I I read about this film a while back, is uh, that um, you almost need to watch this film in preparation for watching this film. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, so I don't know what that means. I there, do know what that means actually, but yeah, uh, there there's a lot to be said about that. But after we see it, yeah. Okay. So we're gonna go off and watch Playtime. Yeah. And if you're listening at home, uh, you can go watch playtime as well i will plug in about 10 seconds of music for which you can spend watching the movie as i'm wanting to do 10 seconds i mean that's all it takes right i I think it's quite a bit longer than that what oh damn it i had other plans for tonight all right no i guess we'll go away we'll watch the whole movie fine we'll be back And we are back. We have finished watching Playtime, as perhaps you have, or as perhaps you have not. <laughs> the beauty of this podcast is you don't have to watch the movies we watch. Who cares? <laughs> Although, in, um, in this case, you might be very confused can, by what we're talking about if you have not watched the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, we will, we will have Jenna talk about the movie first. Me first. Well, I definitely understand the whole wanting to watch it again after having mm-hmm. watched it. Because I'm like, oh, I didn't pick up on this thing until that part. And then there was this other thing. And I'm still not sure what was going on there. I think I made a connection, but I'm not 100% certain. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I liked it. It's not typically my style of thing. Like... Well, Playtime, as with all the Hulo movies, all four of them, they're, they were kind of a style that was extinct at birth. They're, <laughs> I mean, there's nothing quite like them. I mean, the, mo- the best comparison I can make is that they're very similar to Charlie Chaplin films. Yes, sure. I was thinking the same then, thing. Because, you know, first of all, Jacques Tati, the director, is also the man who plays Monsieur Hulot. Mm-hmm. Okay, and as with you know, Chaplin when he directed movies, he usually starred in them as well as mm-hmm. as his character of the Tramp. And Chaplin's films also kind of go from vignette to vignette with not necessarily a plot sure. threading them. They're they're more thematic usually, but and the, and the yeah. movie I, but, I don't but know this is, things this tend is to, that taken to an extreme. Yeah. Things tend to <laughs> act on Hulo the same way they tend to act on. Chaplin. In, in other words, the plot tends to drive the character rather than the character driving the plot. Right. Yeah. Um, and and it's much more exaggerated in this movie than in the others. Even though I I mean the, st- the structure is pretty much the same in the other three movies, but this one is 
is much more where there's this huge scope that exists outside of the characters. Sure. And it and you it's like you're watching a fish tank. You're just kind of watching all these things moving around and happening. Well, given how much of this movie takes place behind pl- panes of glass, the yes. fish tank analogy is not entirely <laughs> right? an app. Yes, there's a lot of glass in this movie. Yeah. Uh, what you know, going into the technical things, this was um, almost everything you see on screen during this film is a set, including the exteriors. Uh, Jacques Tati basically built an office block in order to make this movie. Huh. It took him 10 years to get financing, and then when the movie didn't do all that well at the box office, he was in debt for 10 years afterward. He lost his home, he lost his business, he lost ownership of all of his previous movies. It this movie wow. ruined him. And yet, he, he came back and made a fourth Hulu movie after this. And, huh. But it, the the set that they built was called Tativille. <laughs> it had the, the traffic circle, uh, the office <laughs> buildings, uh, it just... It, it had a working elevator... Uh, working roads, traffic lights, uh, 11,700 square feet of glass. Only some and of which they broke. Only some of which <laughs> they broke. And, and they filmed there for three years. It, it was just, it was oh a God. huge undertaking. Wow. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a certain stream of consciousness aspect to the whole thing yeah. that, that's impressive. You know, it makes you wonder... Uh, um, one thing about the way it's shot, uh, you know, it's it's almost all medium and long shot, mm-hmm. which is is fascinating. Yeah, there are no close-ups. Um, you need almost none of the dialogue. There, there is nothing that brings you into the characters. You are given only the barest, <laughs> the barest essentials of what to know in order to follow what's going on. Yeah, and yet. At almost any point in the movie, there are a dozen characters on screen, and every single one of them are immediately recognizable as a character. It's not like these are just extras in the background. It's like, this person has a story, this person has a story, this... And there are two or three things going on at any given moment in the movie. There's there's, there's super drunk lady and there's sad waiter guy yeah. and there's yeah the, the, the oh. poor disheveled waiter guy oh, and then there's yeah. the preening waiter guy and yes. then there's uh, you know the woman with the broken uh, heel on her shoe and you know there's yeah. the guy with the broken nose and it just and you can find them all yeah like, throughout the yeah and they wander in and out and they're just instantly recognizable. Yep. Which I find just fascinating. It's super fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I was I was gonna say something about like, because the name of it's playtime. Yes. And and we're we're catching like, there's there's things that are like playful, like the carousel thing. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. And then there are moments where I'm like, is this commentary on, like, modern-day technology and how the world's going by really fast? Is this... Does that fit the theme that I'm constructing in my head? Like, I have... I want to make things make sense, and I don't... 
I, I always want to be able to interpret it the way that it's supposed to be interpreted, and I don't always feel like I get there. Well, I, I, I think it, it it's a theme that we see over and over, but it's done in a very different way. Like, there are a lot of films that speak to, oh, technology is kind of this dehumanizing, isolating mm-hmm. sort of thing. Our modern world yeah. is, you know, kind of against the, you know, the way we are used to dealing with the world. And playtime kind of has this weird... It's like, look at all these shiny, weird, baffling things around us that we made. And yes, it makes a mess. But by God, isn't it beautiful and sparkly? Sure. And and all of this ends in the mother of all parties. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, oh you, God, you, right. you, are, you have a 45-minute scene in this movie that takes place at a restaurant that is slowly falling apart. Uh, not even that slowly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's just disintegrating around the diners, and yet the more it does, the more fun they have. Yeah. Oh, man, that American guy, I tell you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to party with that dude. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you went to... If we went to a restaurant with that guy on the right night, man. Yeah. Yeah. Lucky you. <laughs> it's it's nicely done the way, you know, every even even the characters that don't show up for very often for very much, you know. Mm-hmm. There there's the weird the uh photographer dude in the raincoat mm-hmm. who just wanders in and looks dazed and baffled every <laughs> time you see him. Yep. And and you're just like, what's up with this guy? Well, who is he? Why? And you want to know uh, who he is, and it's very well done in in finding all these little characters that that you don't know their whole story, but you know they have one. I always like it when when a filmmaker recognizes that these minor characters that are just sort of background dressing have a story, and they needn't tell us that story, but it's important that we know that they have one or that we believe that they have one. That somebody somewhere, even if it's only the actor, has thought about who this character is and why they are doing what they are doing at that particular moment in time. Um, And this movie is filled with those characters. Just, just... Yeah. And they're, 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 you know, like, in the corner of the frame. Mm Mm-hmm. Filled with those characters, so you can you can kind of I can see what Ebert said about needing to watch it, to prepare for watching oh. it. In that, that it seems really clear that uh, he wants you focused on action all over the screen. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't care where you your gaze falls and, so much. And and this was filmed in seventy millimeter. Meaning so it's it, just huge. Yeah, the the negative is is enormous, and it was meant to be shown on a ginormous screen, just flooding your field of vision. And it, I mean, it's part of the reason why I tracked this film down for my own collection in, in Blu-ray because you almost need that detail just to kind of catch what's go what's going on no, on the screen. Now, did I know this aired at Ebert Fest? Did you see it when you were at Ebert Fest? No, it, it sadly it was uh, prior to me going oh, to Ebert Fest. Oh, so you've never seen this seventy millimeter projected? I never projected. have. There, um, mm. yeah, there is a uh, seventy millimeter print wandering around the United States. It was in Austin, like 
a week after I was there last year, and I was so <laughs> um, It was playing in Chicago during OmegaCon last year, and I was considering driving from Siren, Wisconsin to <laughs> Chicago, watching the movie, and then driving all the way back. Yeah, that seems like the sort of thing you do. I, I um, really was considering it. I but was, man, OmegaCon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, but you were in your pajamas already. I like, and I, I think I was a little broke that weekend too, so ah. I couldn't quite afford the two That's, tanks of gas I get that, that. I would have done. Oh. But uh, someday, I, like, I, I like all of the other little things that happen throughout, like the the reflections of the monuments throughout. Oh, Paris. I love the reflections in the oh. monuments, and how awesome is the guy with the window at the end, mimicking the, with, the yeah. With the oohs and the ahs and mimicking an amusement park ride. It's so fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, the whole the whole turning the traffic circle into a carousel. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was great. Um, was very, very, very clever. Yeah, there's something really magical about the movie. It, yeah. it it's kind of delightful. And and something I really love about all four of the Hilo movies is that they all have that th- this really genial amusing light sort of atmosphere to them. like an enjoyment of life kind yeah, of yeah they're they're the the gags aren't necessarily laugh out loud funny but yeah. you smile all the way through they're they're very friendly films but they're, they're, they're you get the sense that Jacques Tati genuinely just adores people and <laughs> and he just love seeing all these characters on screen and he wants to show you everything about them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he wants to uh, show you things that are unexpected about them. Yes. Um, you know, I think uh, the the character, the the, 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 the businessman that, that uh, Hulot is trying to meet with at the mm-hmm. beginning. Yeah, the guy with the broken nose. The guy with the broken nose who then, you know, he goes home and you know, when you first see him, he seems you know sort of business-like and kind of cranky and and kind of you know, not all that personable. And then they they run into each other on the street, and they clearly have a long. Yeah, we don't see it. Yeah. We see them meet. Yeah. We see them exchange pleasantries, and they go off. And sometime later, we see them come back in part ways, and clearly they've had a fine evening, a mm-hmm. fine conversation, and and so this this character that you thought you knew. In one way, uh, is is revealed to be something different, um, and and the the movie does that without uh, a lot of dialogue. Mm-hmm. You know, the dialogue sure. is is really by and large completely inconsequential. Mm-hmm. Um, they get they, they 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 don't really need to. There's a lot of uh, subtitles that you just kind of. In some ways, I wonder why they put them in. Yeah. Well, and there well, were a lot it, of things said yeah. that they didn't even bother to subtitle. Oh, yeah. Criterion <laughs> was like, eh, screw it. <laughs> you know, you get, you get about, <laughs> you know, four or five lines in the movie that's like, eh, whatever. You get to basically, you know what they're talking about. Yeah. You know what you got. Yeah. You got, it's <laughs> the, all right. The subtitles pop up every 15 minutes, and you don't really even notice them because the the words don't really matter in yeah. half the, and it's and it's a mix of German and French and English and what have you. It's which yeah, is, I mean, absolutely a European kind of thing. Oh yeah. You know, the, all those languages in so close together mm-hmm. that that you're gonna run you run into all of them. And he there there's a creation of a 
I think by bringing in the American tourists that that he does, there's sort of a creation of a global community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know the way, especially the I mean the the what I thought was laugh out fun, loud funny is when they've got all the the tourism posters on a wall and every single one of them has the same building on the poster you know just that idea that uh as different as all these places are there's something uh something the same about Mm -hmm. all of them and not not necessarily i don't know that it's a critique I, I think he just finds it amusing. I, like, yeah. I With pretty much anything in the film, I think he just finds it amusing. Yeah, I mean, with and the chairs, you feel like he ran, He found these chairs at a store, and uh-huh. he's just like, can you believe these chairs? <laughs> what if What if these chairs were, like, everywhere? <laughs> so, and then they and were. All, holy crap. All the rude noises that they make. And, oh, that's... Mm. Oh, yeah. And he just he just Your plays with those chairs. Question. I love how everybody <laughs> crushes down the top of the chair, like the top of the backrest. It, yeah, and then it slowly <coughs> pops back. Up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there. I, there's no really good way, you know, for anybody who's listening to this who hasn't watched the movie. There is no all these things we're talking about may seem like spoilers, and, and they're yet not. they're not. Because there's there's not really anything to spoil. It, there there's not really a plot. It's just all these vignettes that you just kind of feast well, your eyes. Because upon. it's not about the the surprise of it per yeah. se. It's about the pointing out. Yes. It's he's like this is already a thing. Just just take a look. Like <laughs> so yeah. The the ultimate obs- observational humor. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's um the. The way it uh, he structures the film is very is, is unique. It's it's not not something that that really I, I, I can you can't you can't compare it to anything really. No. In in film you could uh, there I mean there there's like the theatrical genre of like the theatrical happenings uh, you know where. You know, you're supposed to walk through, say, you know, it's created in a house where you walk through a house and there's yeah. the, there's things happening in the house as you're walking through it that that connect. But, you know, it depends on which part you see as you're walking through the house because because the actors are sort of choosing what to do at what time, which isn't. I'm describing it very poorly, and I've never actually gone to one of these, but I know what I'm talking about. Sort of. I was a theater major. Seriously. Um, <laughs> I dropped out of being a theater major. Does that... Oh. I, I totally graduated. It only took me seven years. So the thing is... <laughs> the thing is that, that this movie is, is, is similar in that sense, that, that it sort of feels like uh, the, camera, the camera just sort of discovers things. Mm-hmm. And and you have to kind of accept that. Uh, the, um, interestingly, the um, when Spielberg shot Saving Private Ryan, um, I I think it was Saving Private Ryan. They talk about when he's doing the when, when he shot the the Normandy invasion, which mm-hmm. is a holy fuck amazing scene. Yeah, he was with the camera person, just kind of steering the camera person to pick up. Yeah. Various parts of the scene. He's just like, "All right, everybody, do do your shit. Do your do do what you're gonna do." And then, as this is going, I'm gonna decide which direction to point the camera, which is wow. 
uh, fascinating technique. And this film, rather than deciding which way to point the camera, you what what you would do, what Spielberg would have have done if he was going to make this movie the same way, is he would set his camera at the edge of the scene and just shoot it and let you pick out yeah. what you wanted to look sure. at. Um, and I don't know that that would have worked so well for Saving Private Ryan, but... <laughs> that, w- <laughs> that would have been a very different Saving Private Ryan. That would have been. It's like just this one static shot of guys diving, dying for 20 minutes. And then it turns into a carousel at the end. <laughs> But there's still Germans and French and Americans. That's so true. Yeah. There you go. And they all recognize each other from the war. <laughs> I haven't seen this one, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I, boy. I, I, can, I, can I think what we've things, basically but. managed to determine is that uh, <laughs> Saving Private Ryan and Playtime are the same movie. <laughs> oh, well, then I have at least seen <laughs> Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, uh, Playtime was actually one of Spielberg's inspirations when he did The Terminal. Yeah, I read that. Yeah, yeah, particularly with the mega set sort of yeah. concept. You know, it, filming on a giant set made specifically for that purpose. It's interesting how that's uh, that technique is not used all that often. But uh, because we it's have, expensive. It's expensive, but we have watched two films lately that have used that same technique. Oh, yeah, because yeah. Rear Window did the it same totally thing, did. where where Hitchcock built a gigantic set because that was really the only way to do it. Right. That was the only way to make that movie work. Well, and, precisely, yeah. precisely the same with this one. I mean, everything is so choreographed. It's yeah. like a dance, and you have to have complete control over everything that's happening in the street and in the other windows. And, and if you're going to yeah. shoot it for three years, blocking off a street of Paris doesn't seem particularly yeah. <laughs> uh, likely. Right. Yeah, probably not. So you gotta you got to kind of build your own. But yeah, that it's kind of... Amazing to see the kind of artistic commitment that he has in making a movie that that bankrupts him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but he wanted to make that movie. He clearly had a concept that that he could not break from, mm-hmm. um, and and pushed it to a remarkable extreme. Yeah, and even though you know this didn't do well at the box office when it was first released it's beloved of you know film nerds film nerds who have seen it (laughs) so now um how could uh, i'm saying this at the end of the podcast now how could listeners get their hands on this movie i mean the criterion blue criterion yeah, they the make Criterion li- Blue is hard to for me to lay my hands on. The the Criterion DVD is easier to get your hands on. Um, it, um, the uh, Netflix has copies, and uh-huh. so if you have a Netflix uh, disc account, you can get the, it. Who, it, it. Hulu Plus has Hulu, Criterion cro- Hulu collection. Hulu Plus has Criterion uh, con- uh, stuff, and uh, actually, the first time I saw it was on Hulu Plus. So and so, I don't know if they currently have it. On the Hulu Plus account, it comes and goes. Okay. But I think it's usually on there. I think the other... Almost, few... all, I, all, I, almost all of Tati's other films are on Hulu Plus, too. It's hard to get hold of traffic in any format. But the but Monsieur Hulu's Holiday, 
Mononcle and Playtime are usually uh, on streaming services. Here. So, so yeah, you definitely go find those other films. Yes. As well as this one. So, uh, let's see. I think we're, we're wrapping up. Any final thoughts? Melissa! I love this movie. <laughs> I... Uh, Ever since seeing this film, I've wanted to get more eyeballs on it, so I'm, I'm, I'm very satisfied. <laughs> You're <now>. welcome. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Jenna? Um, I, I, I enjoy the, the, the delight and the playfulness of it, the, the, the picking of the random, the watering the ladies' flower hats. Yes! <laughs> like, just little, the, the little things like that that are just absolutely delightful. How about that melting airplane? Oh, God. The melting it. airplane And then so when great. it unmelted... Yeah, <laughs> that's what air conditioning does. It unmelts Un-melts airplanes. Unmelts things. <laughs> that's Yay, the son. magic of air conditioning. <laughs> the woman's back. Oh, oh, oh her back. <laughs> so I am just left to say that uh, we are recording our next live show at the Parkway this coming Sunday, the seventeenth. This episode's airing on the fifteenth of November, Sunday, the seventeenth, one fifteen. We are doing a live podcast of John Carpenter's The Thing with Matt Alex from the Apropos of Nothing and Horror Show Hot Dog Podcasts joining us as a special guest host because I guess he just loves this movie up one side and down the other. And everybody Um, should. And that's completely fair. Unless they're terrified of horror movies, in which case, wow. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, The Thing will be live podcasting on the 17th. And then, of course, our next episode, the one that you can listen to on the 1st of December, will be John Carpenter's The Thing. So we hope you join us for that. Thanks for being here with us uh, on this episode of A Real Education. And uh, until next time, go out to Hulu Plus and find the rest (laughs) of the Hulu movies. Yay! Yay! We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Real Education. Peace!